Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and I'm coming to you preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. No, Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Notice, Paul said he determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. That means except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why did Paul say that? Because that's where it works. That's where the power of God comes in. That's where the miracles happen. That's where God talks to you. That's where you see deliverance. That's where you see healings. That's why I come to you preaching only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And to begin this program, I'd like to start with the Brown Brothers singing an old favorite, Somebody Touched Me. Many years he walked in darkness As he groped along the streets His hands stretched out for pity The story of the blind man When Jesus walked his way And when the masters touched The man looked up As the scoffers heard him say Somebody touched me Somebody touched me I was blind Praise His name, I now can see. I was in darkness when Jesus found me. But since He touched me, I now am free. One day He touched the crippled man. Today he walks again, and now the master saw with pleasure he had labored not in vain. Like the story of the blind man, I once was bound by sin, but since the master came, oh praise his name. Thank God I now can say Somebody touched me Somebody touched me I was blind but praise His name I now can see I was in darkness When Jesus found darkness 
start this part of our program with a testimony. And it happened with my third child, John, several years ago. My family and I had just gotten back from a camping trip, and John and I were in the kitchen working together. And I looked on his hand, and I noticed there was a bump on it. And I asked John where he had gotten that bump. He relayed the story to me that he was accidentally stabbed with a knife from a friend of his on this camping trip. On closer examination, I saw it was infected, and it concerned me. And with that concern, I went to prayer. And I asked God what to do with this situation, and God told me what to do. I asked God to put John and I together in a situation where it was just he and I, where he and I could talk. And God worked it out. Within just a day, he and I had to take my other, my older son to a place, drop him off, and then John and I were coming home alone. And we were in the car together for about 20 minutes. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to talk to John to get his faith to agree with mine. And as we were driving and I was talking to him, I would say, John, do you remember when God did this for us? And he would say, oh, yeah. And then I said, do you remember when God did this for us? Oh, yeah. And he relayed to me the story. And I would say, John, do you remember when this happened? Oh, yes. I remember that too. And then I said to him, you know, John, God is with us. Oh, yes, he is. I said, and we have seen his power work for us, haven't we? Yes, we have. So I said, John, let me pray for your hand. And I took his hand and I held it in mine and I said, be healed now in the name of Jesus. And then he and I went on about our business. That next morning, I asked him to call me before he went to school because I wanted to see how his hand was. He called me just before he went into classes and I asked him, I said, John, how's your hand? He said, well, mom, it hasn't changed. The infection is still there. I said, all right. We'll keep going. And I didn't say anything to him, but as he hung up the phone, I turned around and I said, oh no, devil. Oh no. I said, it's healed in the name of Jesus. And every knee bows at the name of Jesus. And you are healed. You know, a couple hours later, John called me before he went to lunch. And I said, well, hello. I said, how's your hand? He said, mom, it's all gone. It's been healed. That hand was perfectly healed. The infection had disappeared. Now, where did the power come from to heal that hand to where the infection was completely gone? Just like we had been talking about in the last couple of weeks, I'd like us to go back to Romans 1.16. This is Paul talking. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't afraid to use it. He wasn't afraid to trust it. He wasn't timid in giving himself wholly to it. Why? Next phrase. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Do you see what Paul said here? Salvation to everyone that believeth. Not a certain few. 
Not just this group and not the other group. Oh, no. No, the gospel is to everyone that believeth. The only thing that is required of us is to believe it. And when we believe it, what do we see? It says it right before that. We see the power of God unto salvation. My son had an infected part of his hand and he needed the salvation of God to get rid of that infection. And it was the power of God that healed him. Why? Because he and I together believed. And it says here, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's where the power came from. For it is the power of God. Just like I was when I was a grammar teacher teaching English. What is the power of God? It goes right back to the first part of the sentence. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel is the power of God. That's where the power came from for John's hand to be healed. And what is that gospel? We find the definition again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Notice, I declare unto you the gospel. This is Paul declaring the gospel unto the Corinthians. Verse 2, by which also you are saved. That word saved means set at safety. It means anything that is required for you to survive what you need. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Do you see you can believe in vain? Do you see there's a word if here? Do you realize that you could stop believing? It becomes in vain. Verse three, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul received it. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. For, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the definition of the gospel. That is what Paul is referring to when he says, It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. What is required of us about the gospel? What is required of us? is that we believe it. Now I'm going to look at one facet, one aspect of Jesus on the cross. And we are going to go to Isaiah 53. But before we go there, I have heard people say that Isaiah 52 and 53 aren't about Jesus. But do you know the Bible refutes that? Let's go to Acts 8 and I'm going to start in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, into a way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandeth thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb dumb before his shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? for his life is taken from the earth. That is from Isaiah 53. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? 
of himself or of some other man? Now look what Philip's answer was. In verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Here is your proof that Isaiah 53 and 52 are about Jesus. Now let's go to Isaiah 53. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. And here, this next part, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. We discussed this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Jesus' body being marred more than any man, as it is read in Isaiah 52. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. In Strong's, that word sorrows has two meanings. It means sorrows and it means pain. A man of sorrow and pain. This is Jesus. This verse is talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, a man of pain, and acquainted with grief. You know, that word means sickness. Jesus was acquainted with sickness. When was he acquainted with sickness? Where are we right here in Isaiah 53? We have Jesus on the cross. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Notice verse 4. Surely. Surely. In the word of God, we have a word, surely. In the word of God, we have the word, surely. Well, if the word of God says, surely, can there be any more definite word than this? Surely, he has borne our sicknesses, our griefs, and carried our sorrows, our pains. That word says, surely, surely, Jesus on the cross bore our sickness and carried our pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And notice this next verse, with his stripes, we are healed. When Jesus was on the cross, he had all of our sickness, all of our pain. Let's go down to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And remember that word grief means sickness. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to sickness. He made him sick. Look at the first part of that verse again. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It made the Lord happy to put all the sickness and all the pain on his own son's body. It says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It made God happy to bruise him. Why? Because he knew the outcome. Jesus bore our sicknesses and diseases. We could be healed of them. We could be delivered of them. 
We could have disease and sickness and pain. Leave our bodies. Go away. Taken away from us. How do we know this? How do we know that this verse, that it actually means that we are healed? Let's go to 1 Peter 2. Peter here discusses this same verse. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Look at this next part. By whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. When were we healed? When Jesus carried that sickness on his body on the tree. Now why? I love that word why. Why did Jesus carry our sickness? Why did he carry our pain on his own body on the tree? Let's take a look at John 10.10. John 10.10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's the thief that comes and steals your life away. It is the thief that comes to kill your body with cancer, to kill your body with any disease, to kill your body with any curse. It is the thief that comes and does that. God does not come to destroy your body, to destroy your life. It's the thief that destroys it. What does Jesus do? The next part. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus did not come to destroy your life with sickness. The thief did. What did Jesus do? He came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. How? By bearing that sickness on his own body on the tree. Do you see? That's why he was marred more than any man. That's why he was acquainted with pain and sickness. Thank God he bore it for you. And how do we believe? Let's take a look at how Abraham believed in Romans 4, and this might help us. I'm going to start in verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Remember, Abraham was promised a son 25 years earlier. Let's take a look at that verse again. And being not weak in faith. Okay, so we know that the next sentence is going to tell us how not to be weak in faith. And it says, he considered not his own body now dead. So Abraham didn't consider his own body. And that, by the first phrase, tells us that that meant he wasn't weak in faith. He didn't consider his own body. In the next verse, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded what he had promised. He was also able to perform. Do you see how Abraham believed here? He kept his eyes on the promise. His hope was in the promise. He believed that promise above what he saw in his own body. He stayed with that promise. You know, there's a verse in Romans 3, verse 7, that has helped me quite a bit. And it's only the first part of that verse. It says, For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory. I want you to listen to this verse. For if the truth of God 
That's the word of God, the truth of God. That's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, do you see the truth that God will break through your lie if you will stay with the truth, if you will hang on to, if you will cling to the death, burial, and resurrection, it will abound through that lie that you see with your eyes or you feel unto the glory of God, and it'll manifest. I would like to share the perfect song for this program. It's called Isaiah 53, and it's done here by Terry and Kathy Mai. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And what is that word of God that brings you faith? It says it just two verses up. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Isaiah 53 is the gospel. And then following that song, what do you do with Isaiah 53 after you've heard it? Well, you become fishers of men. And here that song is ministered to us a cappella by the My Girls. Let it minister to you.
from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L.com, or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, 
P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find me on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.